All right, here we go. Uh, good day. It's uh, Robert Brathe here from the Troy Innovation Garage. And uh, for this segment, we're with Rick Conley of ActionSpec. Welcome, Rick. How are you today? What's going on? How are you? Good. You enjoying your coffee? Oh, yeah. This is uh, coffee number three because I started my day at an egregiously early hour. What's early for you? 3 a.m. Wow. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good start. I, I've been trying to get back on my 5.51 a.m. kick because I find that that seems to be the good time. Even though I usually probably wake up at three as well and go back to bed, but uh, but yeah, so uh, good to see you're a go getter. So uh, tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, I see here you mentioned uh, you kind of hit on the three, the big three: IT, web, and cloud services. So tell us a little bit about that. So I guess you have to kind of think of it like this, right? So if you run a small company, you know, you, let's face it, in this day and age, no one's doing things on pen and paper anymore. So you've got laptops, you've got, you know, you want people to be able to find your company. So you need a website, um, you need, you know, professional email because no one's going to take somebody with a Gmail address that seriously, you know, so all of those things, uh, when you're just like, you know, the, the like uh, an average user, you know, you're not really thinking about, you know, oh, geez, you know, I've got to set up Office 365, I got to do this, I got to do that. You know, a lot of people think this is something that's just way too complicated. So essentially what I did is I said, okay, well, what if I like took everything that small companies need, basically become the IT guy and do it on like a retainer or hourly basis? And I mean, this is nothing new. There's a lot of other companies out there doing this. I've got much larger competitors, but they all go after a much bigger piece of the market. They're mm -hmm. going after your enterprise customers, your midsize, your you know, 50, 100, you know, user count type sure. operations. So I'm looking at like the one to fives, the five to tens, and to some extent, the 10 to twenties. Okay. And that's so, and the, the, the higher range of that is kind of like, you know, if somebody comes my way or if one of my clients scales, I can handle it, but I'm not like, you know, going out there trying to onboard huge customers. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's myself and, you know, I've got some 1099 folks that I employ when needed, when I need to scale up on a project, which is usually where that sort of thing goes. But uh, as uh, as 2017 progresses, probably around quarter two, quarter three, I'm actually going to start making hires. Because waking up at three and going to bed at 11 is rough. Yes, I'm sure. And you bring up a good point uh, here in the capital region. I think we got so many of those companies, Rick, that are at that level uh, maybe a little under the radar because they've got two, five, ten, maybe twenty uh, users or employees. What do you think it takes to kind of scale up uh, in, in in a business in in the capital region to to kind of go from that sole prop uh, and maybe up to a few employees? That's an interesting question, and it's something that I contemplate on. I contemplate it on a daily basis, actually, because I'm I'm getting to the point now where I'm deciding like scale is something that needs to happen if I want to grow. But the problem is I can't easily scale until I have a little more growth this quarter. So there's like this, uh, there's like, I don't want to call it a dead zone, but there's like this overlap between being the one man shop and then finally being a two to three man shop. And in the tech uh, side of things, it's very hard. And the reason for that is you have one of the hardest products to sell. You need to sell to somebody something that, you, I mean, aside from the laptop that you're using right now, um, there's a lot of things in the IT world that just, you know, you don't really see them, but they're there and they're very important. So essentially I'm like, okay, yeah, well here, I'll, I'll set up your cloud email and I'll, you know, I'll do your website and I'll do this and I'll do that. And 
you know, it's it's not something that like the users can like touch and feel and and be like, oh, this is what a website feels like to hold sure. your hands, <laughs> you know. So it, I, I find that to be a tough sell. And I think another thing that makes it very hard too is a lot of the other outfits that are around here. I mean, if you go out there and say, hey, I need a website done. I want proposals. You get proposals from five companies. You're going to get a three hundred dollar proposal, three thousand dollars, thirty thousand, and three hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> And the last one will be make offer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole other world out there. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, let's, let's look at the cloud, for instance, cloud services. So how's that really evolved? I know even in the last year or two, there's been a lot of changes. It's huge, um, especially with the smaller customers. In the Microsoft world, it, there used to be, uh, there used to be like a, an entry-level offering called small business server. Now they call it, um, now they call it like Windows 2012 Essentials or something like that. Uh, it would come with, you know, Exchange and like some basic Active Directory stuff. You know, standard things you'd find in, you know, in a, in a larger network. And it was supposed to be designed to allow companies to scale. So then as they got bigger, they've already got an Active Directory. They can start snapping all the other pieces in. Uh, but the problem is nobody wants to go out there and buy a server because, well, there's $1,500 if you want to spend, you know, if you want to get like bottom of the line but still reliable. And that doesn't account for vendor markup. Whereas with the cloud, it's nice because now you don't have to own all this physical infrastructure. You can go out to Microsoft and say, well, here's the deal. I need a solution for email and collaboration. And I mean, you can host websites on SharePoint, but they look. They're dreadful. I've seen a few of those, yeah. (laughs) But internally, it's a great platform, and that has changed everything. That's kind of where, it's where everything is starting to go. I've actually got a customer now that we took, uh, we took a couple of companies and and we migrated them from another cloud app to Office 365. It's it's Microsoft's fastest growing uh, market segment right now. Mm With the, uh, with the cloud services. So we, we expect there to be a lot of development. But there does come a point, though, and this is an interesting thing with cloud that nobody's thinking about, really, is once you scale, there is a point where it kind of doesn't really make sense to do a lot of stuff in the cloud. If you're storing tons, of, if you're storing a lot of like large data, like this podcast here is going to be a decent-sized file before you compress it down, right? Sure. You know, you could store that up in the cloud. You're going to eat up resources fast. It's going to take forever to upload it unless you do it here because we got 100 by 100 fiber. But uh, <laughs> if you, uh, you know, if you go and, and, and you try to store big, large files in the cloud, it's going to create a lot of problems for you in the long run. So you got to offload some of that storage. And now you're back on site again. So it makes sense for small companies, definitely. Even medium-sized companies, the cloud still makes sense. But once you get to the breaking point, which I've seen... I seem to see looks roughly around like 25 to 35 users. That's the sweet spot where you really need to start thinking about coming back on site. Good. Again, uh, this is Robert Brathe. We're here recording at the Troy Innovation Garage, and I'm talking with Rick Conley from ActionSpec. Uh, what do you see um, as uh, reasons that you like working here in the upstate area? What, what, what are some things that drew you here and, and keep you around? Ah, this is a fun story. <laughs> So, um, so I was born and raised here in upstate. I was actually uh, born and raised out in Nassau. Okay. And uh, as, as time went on, I, I, I stayed in the area for school. I didn't really go too far. I, I went to Siena um, and Hudson Valley, mm-hmm. Andrew Albany. <laughs> 
Um, Sounds like a few of my students, so that's familiar. So I did. So so I've I've patronized most of the bigger insti- uh, educational institutions in the area. So I, I I stuck around though. You know, there was a lot of I, I just like it here. I like hiking. I like the I like the seasons and fall. I mean, come on, you can't beat fall in oh, the yeah. state. So, um, but there was a time where I was kind of moving around a little bit. Um, I was in uh, Saratoga for a little while, and uh, I, I really liked it up there. Um, then a good friend of mine, um, who I, you know, I, I kind of came up in my career with this guy, and he, uh, uh, he runs a web design outfit, and he lives down in the Cayman Islands. Mm-hmm. Went there on his honeymoon and said, you know what, we're staying here, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I went down there for a little while. Uh, but I did wind up uh, coming back up here, and uh, there, there's uh, m- most of it was medical related, just because the, you know, down there they they do healthcare a little bit differently than we do here in America. So I came back, and uh, when I did come back, everything that was in me was trying to get back to the capital district, and uh, and I eventually made it back in uh, 2013, 2012, 2013 is when I came back here. So, and then uh, as time went on, I, I've run a business before, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of bordering on serial entrepreneur. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm unemployable in the regular workforce. I've gotten to the point now, I'm past the point of no return, so if I'm, so if this falls out from under me, I don't know, splitting wood. <laughs> There's always opportunities for entrepreneurs, that's for sure. Uh, tell me a little bit about... Um... You know, where uh, where you see your company going? You mentioned you know uh, hopefully some employees Q three Q four. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, some things that might be coming up for you. So right now we're working on a couple of different things. We're taking that uh, big three that we talked about and we're trying to unify it into one easier to explain offering. And we want uh, we basically want to brand it as IT as a service because the as a service moniker seems to be everywhere on the internet and that's mm-hmm. not really going away. It's not like one of these, uh, you know, uh, one of these shortcut terms that only lasts for, you know, five or 10 years. So I think that like, it, as far as like branding goes and things like that, I think that making the investment there would be good because it has longevity. Um, and with the newer generation coming up, that's also a little bit easier to, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to sell because they understand it. Um, but we're going to get to the point, we're getting to the point now where we just need to hire. So, um, I've been fretting over what my first hire is going to be. And I'm thinking it's most likely going to be, um, a technical individual Mm -hmm. because I think that I'm, I'm all right with sales. I like doing it, but the thing is for me to be good at it, I have to spend time with it. And in order to spend time with it, I can't be fiddling with the technical stuff anymore. So it would be nice to be able to offload that, uh, the, the lion's share of the technical tasks, give it to somebody, have them deal with the customers, and then I can go out and I can, you know, grow the company and make the sales. So that's, so that's essentially where, uh, th- that's where we're seeing ourselves. We, we see ourselves making a technical hire and we wanna grow. It would be nice to grow to three but I'm thinking it's probably just going to be me and somebody else, depending on how things go with the marketplace around here. I don't know if we're looking at like a pending market correction, um, but you know who knows. <laughs> sure, sure. What do you see? Um, I, I, you've come back here. I've been here for a while. We had a family farm out in, in Mount Upton, and I, I always loved the area. 
What are uh, some things, you, types of businesses you hope come in here uh, in terms of uh, something that you see in other places, other communities that we don't quite have yet that you'd like to see up here? Oh, geez. Um, I'd like to see things that people around here can work in. And what I mean by that is it's awesome that they're making all this nanotech investment. But when you really look at the marketplace around here and you look at the average person, the lion's share of the people who live in this region either you know go into a skilled trade or they go to work in some civil service job somewhere. And uh, the people that don't wind up doing that, you know, it's, it's difficult to recruit. So what happens is you bring in a lot of people from outside and then they go and they staff this facility, and and these facilities are kind of on the whims of investors. I mean, I think there's, uh, I don't, I'm not entirely sure how public this is, but I know that there's been talk of a couple of the major companies pulling out of CNSE. So it would be really awesome if some, you know, some easier to train for industry came into this area. I think that would be huge. Not necessarily manufacturing, because we, you know, we did that earlier on, and it didn't really quite work out. Um, I mean, you know, you drive through Fonda and you, you know, or Gloversville even, and you see the devastation that, you know, when all the mills pulled out, you know, now you got a lot of really awesome places for loft apartments, but the economies in those areas have gone to hell in a handbasket. So it would be great to see, um, to, to see something that everybody can partake in, not just, you know, extremely qualified graduate level people. Sure. So I'd like to see a lot of like, you know, maybe I'd like to see more data centers start popping up around here aside from the snow we're reasonably climate neutral yeah and uh you know we have a we have a major junction point here for one of the major internet backbones so it only it makes sense if you have a bunch of you know it infrastructure that bigger organizations are storing down in new york city which well, is new york city could be underwater in 16 years you know who knows i always say the flood's coming this year everybody's going to move upstate but we'll we'll see if my <laughs> my prediction is correct see exactly we need to have and we need to have all of that infrastructure that supports all those businesses that come up from new york but on a more serious note i think that having stuff like that would be huge because you can take and uh, somebody just like your level one data center guy I mean, you could go to school for two years to learn how to do something like that and do it well. Whereas with everything else, with some of the other stuff in the area, that's, I mean, I get, I hear they're opening a Chick-fil-A up in Clifton Park. I mean, that's cool. I'm looking forward to that, yeah. That's cool, but you know, it's like a, you know, it, as far as jobs go, yeah, you're adding a, adding a number, but it's not a meaningful number because those are, you know, those, those aren't the best paying jobs. You can't make a career out of fast food. So... Yeah, I would like to see more data center investment up here. Maybe a software company comes out here. Um, I would like to see uh, some coding academies come up here because right now to you know learn how to code, four years at RPI, four years at University of Albany, two years at Hudson Valley. And even then, you know, you're not learning like cutting edge stuff. You're learning what academia wants to teach as far as development goes. So to have like a, you know, like a 12 week, you know, coding boot camp or something like that, just to come up here and sort of stir things up a little bit. I think that would be huge too, because now you would see this area, more software companies would pop up and we'd essentially become a, you know, almost a East Coast Silicon Valley if we did it right. But having that here would be huge because what ties all these major systems together is people writing custom code. Exactly. So that, that that's, I really love to see that come up here. Good. Again, we're with uh, Rick Conley from ActionSpec. Tell us a little bit about, uh, I like walking people through, um, you know, the best way to approach you if they'd like to uh, work with you as one of your clients. What do you typically look for in terms of uh, 
a dialogue with a client before you start working with them? So it really depends on how I how I meet said client, but I think that like I don't really have like a preferred like onboarding source. Like I don't really have like a channel or a ramp for that sort of thing. I just give people my business cards, they drop me an email, let's talk and you know, at the end of the day, if a customer wants to if a potential customer wants to come to me and shoot me a quick email to rick at actionspec.com you know i it, i don't have like i don't i don't try to corral users into certain ramps sure if you will i've always found that to be kind of silly yeah i could be totally wrong maybe the next generation coming up likes to likes to go through the ramps but i'm you know just shoot me an email come down to the innovation garage and you know i'm i work here my office is here you know, I'm easy to find. I'm usually running up and down the stairs getting coffee, trying to, you know, keep from passing out of my desk. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, you bring up a good point. You know, I, I teach some college, too, and we always talk about, you know, marketing's important, but trying to put people in buckets or categories, you, you got to treat people like individuals. So tell us a little bit about maybe uh, a case study of you know, maybe a, a typical client you might work with and, and, and some things that you bring to the table that maybe a competitor might not. Sure. So um, let's say this. Let's say um, let's say you run a company. There's maybe it's a family-run operation. Maybe it's like you and you know wife or a brother or somebody, and you've got maybe a few folks working for you, or it's just a you know a partnership type deal. We have a lot of that going on here in the garage. Um, essentially, my the, the way what I bring to this relationship is I've. I've seen IT from both sides, so I see it from like the much larger, uh, the much larger perspective because uh, you know I've done some like institutional stuff, um, big, big, big IT projects, and then I've also you know in being an entrepreneur myself, I understand like okay, like what do I actually, what do I have to do tactically for my tech to work so I can actually go there and execute my business mission. So um, what I kind of bring to the table is sort of a well-rounded perspective of sort of how all this stuff works, how all these, thing, these things plug into each other. And my competitors, they don't really bring that. They just say, okay, well, sign the service contract, <clears throat> pay us between 500 and 2,000 a month. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and then they get here talking, and then they start talking about, you know, all these like very like niche you know, technical metrics or technical cost metrics. You know, I'm not really, I'm not really on that level. I'm not looking for bigger clients. I'm actually, I prefer smaller, mm-hmm. uh, smaller companies because uh, it's much easier for me to be in there and have someone grow than it is for me to go after a large institution and try to, you know, and try to onboard them. That's a lot to get your arms around when you're, you know, when you're a very small IT outfit. Sure. So what we bring, but the, the big thing that, again, you know, that we bring to the table is that, you know, we'll sit down and have a dialogue. We'll see if it make you know, if the relationship makes sense because, you know, at the end of the day, maybe, you know, m- maybe you just got capitalized for 20 million and you're looking to, you know, grow from zero to 50. All right. Well, you know, it's eh, a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but, you know, if you got a, you know, if you got a t-shirt company, you got a website got a you know you've got a public relations firm you've got you know stuff like that that doesn't go through you know explosive amounts of growth you know sit down and you know let's let's talk business let's see what what do you need (laughs) you know we're not going to try to put you into a box you know so i mean it and i have a lot of people that are telling me like you need to unify your service offerings and to a certain degree it is 
um, the way that we deliver it, but I think that we still need to be flexible. And that's very important to us. So we're, we're looking for clients that are looking for a flexible IT provider. Terrific. What, um, what inspires you? Is it any books or any particular people that kind of keep you rolling or that inspired you to go into your own business? So uh, there's a couple of people that sort of kind of float around the uh, float around my solar system. Um, my uh, my buddy Dave, he um, who uh, can I give him a plug? Yeah, for, yeah, free. Yeah, he runs uh, he runs Meticulosity, and uh, we work together. Jeez, I, this had to be back in like 2000 since like 2007. You know, we've we've known each other for a very long time. I worked for him for about a year or two, and then um, he went off and start I. I left and went back to school. He left the company we both worked for and eventually went out and started his own. And I remember this is when I started my first outfit. And he uh, and I just remember he's like, yeah, he's like, started a business. I'm like, oh, no shit. So uh, so I did it too. <laughs> that's great. Sometimes it's all, you know, seeing somebody else doing well, it, it inspires you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's doing very well. And it actually kind of blows my mind. And I think, too, we, we are kind of in different market uh, sectors. Like, he's in the... You know, he's in like the, you know, web design, e-commerce, uh, you know, type stuff. And whereas I'm in like managed IT. So he's he's experiencing just an amazing amount of growth right now. And I'm kind of jealous mm-hmm. in a little bit because here I am, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, have, you know, that I'm like the auto mechanic of the um, of the IT world is sort of how I look at this. You know, so I'm not really going to see explosive growth in my sector, but, uh, you know, <laughs> But but I'm happy for him, and I take a lot of business advice from the guy. Uh, he's been he's been there for some uh, for some tough times for me. Um, and then when it comes down to uh, when it comes down to leadership and things like that, um, I've got you know I got a few people that I look up to, but um, probably none more so than uh, General Stanley McChrystal. Read his book, and uh, his book was called My Share of the Task, and it's all about his time when he was in. Uh, when he was in the Rangers, when he was in the 82nd Airborne, um, up until, you know, head of JSOC, um, head of Task Force, what was that, Task Force 141, or there in, uh, you know, the Middle East. And uh, he brings a lot of, like, organizational, it's a great book. It's a long book, so definitely, uh, you know, you're probably not going to crank it out in a weekend, but it, it's worth the read. And then uh, he talks about his time when he was, uh, you know, working in the, uh, you know, working with the White House and with the Defense Department and everything uh, during the Obama administration. So we had a lot of insight there, which I thought was like a really unique perspective. But I got tons of respect for the guy because he went out there and he took an organization that, you know, wasn't wasn't really producing timely intelligence. And what he did was he created this like unified monster that brought together people from all different walks of life. And he retooled it in such a way that they could get intelligence in the door in the morning and two hours later they could have, you know, a special ops team kicking doors down based on that intelligence. I mean, like the, the workflow, he, he made such a dramatic change, but a lot of that was just getting all these different, in, you know, all these different agencies to work together, you know, and he had like a real, he had like a real appreciation for people. And I think that's what, I, that's, that's kind of why I re- sort of relate to him in that way. Terrific. Uh, one more question for you, and then I like wrapping up the show with just kind of an opportunity for you to uh, tell us how to get in touch with you, URL, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what would you say uh, were some of the, um, before you became an entrepreneur, some of those work opportunities or experiences that kind of 
uh, helped shape you as a, as, as a business owner now? So my, vi uh, my very first IT job was at the Albany County Airport Authority. And uh, I was 15 years old when I started there. I was very young. And a lot of my understanding of both the plight of small, you know, the, the challenges of small business, but also having to have enterprise-ready IT, those two things kind of came together in a, in a very meaningful way as a young man. So that shaped a lot of how I do what I do. And uh, my old boss over there were still uh, very much in touch um, he's had a lot to, uh, to do with kind of shaping how I think about things and, you know, sort of how I go about, you know, how you go about dealing with people, okay. all, all sorts of stuff like that. But, you know, when you look at like a place like the airport, like aviation's in a, aviation's in a tough spot right now. Um, specifically airports, business aviation's having a rough go. Um, but as it pertains to the airport authority, we had to do a lot with a very with, with a tight budget, so some of the cool solutions that we've had to develop to do things came out of there, and those were all every one of those was a watershed moment for me. So I just you know bring it right up into the bring it right up into my present day. Fantastic. So again, we're talking Rick, uh, with Rick Conley from Action Spec. His website's www.actionspec.com. Uh, what uh, you know, where are some places we might see you networking or what are some uh, good ways to get in touch with you um, you've mentioned email before yeah um, I live and die by my email but at the end of the day um, you, you, usually whenever there's a networking event here at the garage I usually make it a point to because I mean I don't have to go that far I walk out of my office I walk up the stairs and there it is sure um, every once in a while they have stuff over at Rev Hall so I'll go over there and check it out um, so, uh, Startup New York, uh, has, has like a group that they've, you know, that they sponsor that I've been to a few times. Um, my across the hall neighbor, uh, Endorphin Advisors, they're always going to all these networking events and these, you know, Tech Valley, uh, Tech Valley summits and whatnot. So I try to make it a point to get to those, but a lot of the time, you know, I can be found here because this is where the lion's share of my networking takes place is here at the Innovation Garage. Great, Rick. Well, it's 2017 now. We, we look forward to talking to you again in the future, see how things are going. And uh, yeah. thanks for being our guest today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.